Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined in studio by delightful Molly Williams. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Oh, good. Good. Long time no see. I know. The sun is out. Somewhat. It's yep. It's going to be 80 degrees today. Oh my gosh. It was so humid on our run this morning. The the steam just <laughs> coming up from the ground, going into the atmosphere. We are so waterlogged. And now the atmosphere, you know, the sky is opening up and it's just like you're taking the top off the pasta pot, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's going to be gone by one o'clock. Don't you? The humidity. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you posited the, the dreadful thought that maybe we'd have a humid summer. Did I say that or did you say that? No, you said that. Yeah, Yeah. we could have a humid summer. That would be terrible. It would be, oh my gosh, because we are spoiled here in the Pacific Northwest. And so, yeah, and after having such a dreadfully cold, dreary, ice filled winter, that would really be a kick in the gut. And it's been a really, really long, wet spring, and we are all needing (laughs) some some vitamin D in the worst way. If you don't live out in the Pacific Northwest, we are going crazy out here. Oh, yeah. Literally. And today today is Wednesday, and I told John, nobody's coming to work. I have the day off. But don't you think, like, all of Portland is going to play hooky? Oh, because of the great weather? Well, I think I'm I'm skeptical. I mean, it shows it's supposed to get up to 79 and bright sun. I'm not buying it quite yet. Um, I did, you know, I'm wearing capris. You're wearing clam diggers. Yep. Uh, I don't know if there's a more updated term for that. Um, jams, surf jams. How about that? Alex, what do you, what, what do the young people call pants that come down just below? Oh, clam diggers. Oh, clam diggers. You're making fun of me now. Pe- pedal pushers. Pedal. There, there you go, Ross. Have you heard pedal Rizzo. pushers? There you go, Rizzo. <laughs> you ever heard that term? Oh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> How about that? How about phrases that um, I use the term stove up in an email? Does uh-huh. anybody know? Does oh, yeah, totally. Thank you. Y'all thank stove you. up. Yeah. Thank you. Because I, <laughs> Alex, Alex is shaking no. his head. No. Yeah. So uh, I sent that to Michelle because uh, who's a great mother runner who is um, getting ready to PR in a marathon. You're going to do it, Michelle, uh, this weekend. And it's been delayed. She got delayed two weeks because of an illness. And so she was saying how she just feels old and creaky. Um, because of doing 50 plus mile weeks for, you know, this now extra time. And I said, oh yeah, I, you know, something like I totally hear you on feeling stove up. And she's like, is that like a Pacific Northwest thing? I'm like, no, it's like an English language thing. <laughs> yeah. so, but my, my dad's from the South and my dad always says stove up. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering, you're from Ohio, dad's from roughly Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe it's a uh, kind of. Oh, I don't know. The word I like uh, that I used recently uh, that I had to explain to Ellie was rake. We were talking about some guy. So, oh. oh, he sounds like a rake. And she's like, what? I'm like, well, you know, a ne'er-do-well, sort of a scoundrel. She's like, okay, mom. And you start twiddling your mustache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that word needs to make a comeback, a rake. And I, that, That's of course, brings up one of my favorite words that you say is ne'er-do-well. And you've said it numerous times on our run. And I always see the little floating apostrophe so that you have to take the V out, you know. <laughs> there's, a, there's another one like that. Um, scallywag? Not scallywag. Oh, it'll, it'll come Is it the me. word that you use that makes us laugh? No, it's uh, uh no, <laughs> no, nope, it, it'll come to me. Um, I'll think of it later. Okay, all right, okay, all right. So, hey, so it's May 3rd, Dimity's birthday. Woo, 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 holla. Um, happy birthday, Dimity. 
And so it's time for us to give our April tally of found change. And then we need like some some music, some theme music that like. Well, yeah, we'd also need an alert that my children can take their headphones out because they've told me how boring the found change stuff is (laughs) and that they've been there. And it's only absolutely more boring in person than it is on the podcast. So Lainey and Lucy, you ungrateful. Ne'er-do-wells. Ne'er-do-wells of mine. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I was so funny when you when you did your kids mimicking us looking for Oh, change. look, it's it's a dime. No, wait. Oh, no, it's just a pedal. Ha, ha, ha. It's just a pedal. Oh, look. See, it's just a pedal. Let's take a picture of the pedal. No, wait. Lady, lady, will you take a picture of me over here? No, no. How about this boy? Over here. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I tried to recapture it and tell Jack, and it wasn't nearly as funny uh, as you're it, telling. It, it's even funnier when they tell it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. yeah. So our found change total. You go first, Malls. <clears throat> Yeah, I found $2.62, but one, I found a full dollar bill at LA Fitness. So, you know, that bumped you, it has me up. a little bit of a, or you're saying it has a little bit of a caveat. It was yeah. on your, it was in the parking lot on the walk in, right? No, no, it was in the lobby. Oh, it was in the lobby. Yeah. Oh, it might have been the person right in front of me, but <laughs> it might not have been. Right. So, anyway, but you didn't see it floating to the ground. If you'd seen it not. jump out of a pocket, I did not. And the guy behind me, when I picked it up, I looked at him and he looked at me and he sort of shrugged his shoulders. So I don't think he thought it fell out of the people in front of us pocket who were then too far ahead for me to... Oh, far too far for your frail (laughs) voice to say, wait, wait, is this yours? Is this yours? (laughs) What what if they lied? They're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) That's like the time I found that $50 bill on the uh, right outside a supermarket. And I went back in and I said, I found a substantial amount of money. And they're like, well, what was it? I'm like, I'm not telling you because you're going to it's yours <laughs> and yes i do still have that 50 dollar bill even though i found it early on in the marriage to my first husband wow <laughs> yeah so so even when i fell on the hard times i didn't have to spend it <laughs> um so okay so you found 262 and i beat you by a slim quarter i found 287 um and i was helped out momentously by the um four quarters that i found in that jacket that i found in the middle of the street Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely has an asterisk too. Yeah, well, but you, you know, we found it on the run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. yep. yep. So, uh, but you. But it was a good month. It was a very, it was a fruitful month. Yes. Because there's, I don't know, it's a couple of years back. I find, think I found like a whole three dollars for the whole year. Oh yeah. 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 So that I mean, I think I'm like at six bucks at this point. Oh yeah. See, I don't. I I try not to like add it up in my mind because oh. that's the fun. And I thought it was so funny that you were telling me was it on Saturday when you were running? We were running that you said, "Oh, I really wanted to count up my found change, but I have to wait until the thirtieth." You know. <laughs> and I was like, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> Rule number seven a. Right. <laughs> Money shall of not the be counted. Of, yes. <laughs> or it activates the you will not find money. Right. You'll trip and break your ankle right. in four places clause. Well, oh. I, I write it all down on a card like oh. every month and then I add it up as I do it. And that way I can look back at different years and see like what months have been more fruitful. And all and right. it is spring. Spring is best for us and that sort of slows down in the summer. Oh, it's interesting that you think that. Well, but um, and wonder why that is. I, I think that we're. Well, I was going to say we're still finding stuff left over from the winter, but we're not anymore. No. Well, yeah. it's it's lighter. It, it, the sun's coming up now. So we're out as the sun's coming up. As it gets more summertime, the sun is up. And so other people might have been out and they can see it. 
and the days are longer, so they pick it up at night. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, that's an and interesting. Oh my gosh, night. we yeah. just could make up a theory about anything and found change. <laughs> I think when is uh, found, find change like a mother coming out, Molly? I think you you and I will write it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your kids can put their headphones back in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I have had active social slash cultural lives lately. Yeah, uh, we're us. not we're not just dumb jocks. No, <laughs> we are that too. So, but <laughs> so we've been out like twice. <laughs> well, in so six you weeks. you saw Chicago at the at, high school. I did. Yeah. So tell us about that. So it's so Grand high it's school. at Grant High School, and um, my my daughter Lucy's a senior, and so we know some of the kids in the show, although my kids aren't in the show. Uh, and it was great, but we get there. And uh, it was a, a kind of a cool night, and they seemed to have turned the heat off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because it's May. Budget cutbacks. Why? Well, I don't know if it's budget cutbacks, or if they just turn it off May first, or if they right. turn it off for the weekend. I mean, the whole school the school is literally going to get torn down mm-hmm. um, this summer, so it, the heat barely works they're anyway. Back. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely cutting back. So anyway, it was freezing cold in the auditorium it was like oh. 50, it was like 55 degrees seriously it was it was super cold oh no and yet the heat's off but there was some fan that was on so you had this cold air blowing oh. on you the entire time and everybody is like completely bundled up and getting blankets <laughs> out of their car I'm, I'm not kidding you anyway so the, the 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 play starts and um grant has a fantastic band and they have a special band for the show which is just top notch so so the music starts the play is going it's off to a good start and then we get to the first scene with amos uh, it's Amos and the cop, and they start their lines. Amos gets his first line off, and then he runs off stage. Huh. Yeah. And so the cop is looking off stage, and the narrator's looking off stage. They're looking at each other. The audience is like, what the heck happened to Amos? Uh-huh. And then the dance director, who is in the back of the auditorium, goes running. No. To, yeah. Running through the audience to the back of the stage, you uh-huh. know, and we're all still like, what the heck's going on with Amos? Uh-huh. And then they cut to the next scene, oh. which is a duet between Roxy and Amos, but there's no Amos. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so Roxy's doing this duet all by Solo. Her, all by herself with these two chairs, and so every time there's like an Amos line, she just dances around, oh and she's gosh. like doing these dance moves that are obviously for two people all by herself. <laughs> and so you know, and the audience is like, "Okay, what's going on with Amos?" You know, waiting for sirens or something. Uh-huh. And uh, we we still don't know anything. And then it goes to the next scene, which is uh, Cell House Tango, Jailhouse Tango, you know, oh. the, the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the stage is all set for that. The dancers are out there, the, the main characters, the music comes on. And then they have these lights that uh, come down onto the main characters in that Cell House Tango number. And the, they don't stop. And the lights keep coming down and they, they no. start crushing the <laughs> actors and the audience screams. <laughs> and these girls are like pushing the lights off, which are lit and everything. Oh, my god! And then finally they get the lights back up. And then the number goes on. Fine, fine. And we get to the next number, which is a, a dance with Roxy. But you have an amazing memory, Molly. Well, it was kind of an amazing night with Roxy and these guys. And they almost drop her. And like, again, the audience screams and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> What is going on tonight? And then uh, Ellie gets a text from one of her friends that the Amos character had a seizure. Oh, no. But he'd had seizures before mm-hmm. um, and he was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the intermission. Well, and then we get another number and we have a new Amos that's come on. Mm-hmm. And at intermission, they said they got cast B Amos to come out and cast A Amos was stable oh and with his mother. And, you know, it was all going to be OK. But it was it was quite the evening. 
Can you imagine getting the call? You're like Amos from Cast B that had performed on Thursday night. Yeah. And you're like, you know, settling in for some DVR. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, what? I got to go put on makeup. I got to warm up my voice. And, Can you truck it down here? Yeah, and, right. Yeah. right. Let's hope he lives close to Grant. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But aside from few snafus fantastic show uh-huh those those kids can really bring it yeah so the um i think we've talked before that there's a, a student at grant who is a professional opera singer he was not in the show he's not I, in the show no and i don't know why oh yeah me I, whether he was busy or oh that's too why. bad oh yeah um so i had grand plans to go tomorrow night mm-hmm. and then will shaw my um buddy who did the um first marathon on his birthday the of father's day weekend last year that i did the 20 miler with mm-hmm. he texted jack and me yesterday and said that he and his fiance are coming through town and on thursday and could we have drinks with them mm. and i'm like oh we were going to go see chicago at grant high school and i'm like <laughs> okay that like, like mm-hmm. i think i need to so jack i think is going to go over the weekend but go um, thursday uh, so, no, that's when they're coming oh, into town oh. Thursday. So then, and um, I can't go Friday or Saturday because right. I'll be in Eugene that's for right. the Marathon Expo. Which should have good weather. Uh, hopefully, yep. Hopefully they will have good weather for that. And I'm just going to do a, a nice run down there on Sunday morning because I like running in Eugene. Oh, it's so pretty. So pretty. So as long, I figure as long as I'm there, I'll, you know, hey, I got a furlough from home and I'll spend the night. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, so for social things, so I have had, so, you know, I saw... Um, Hamilton in San Francisco, and I saw two art um, exhibits while I was there. And then this past weekend, I had evening plans both nights. Um, I saw Betty Who in concert on Who? Who? Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on a Friday night with Ashley, the woman who owns the refinery, the studio where we work out. And so Betty Who, I just discovered her courtesy of Entertainment Weekly, and everyone who has Spotify, start playing Betty Who on Spotify. It's she's such an awesome singer. I haven't I haven't heard of her, and I hadn't heard haven't heard her music yet. Yeah, I need yeah. To try oh, that. All right, okay. So I'm gonna find some for you on Spotify. This cool. is I Love You Always Forever. All right. Okay. That's great. That'd be yeah. good for running. Oh, so yeah, so great. And she does this song, I think it's called Beautiful. And it's about standing in front of the mirror and talking to her harshest critic. Wow. And I mean, it is like total mile 24, get you through the hump of a marathon. Wow. So, okay. Can you, so, can you get her for the podcast? <laughs> trust me, I've thought of that. So, so she is, so Betty who Australian. And Australian. I, yes. You can never tell by their voice. I know. I, I think sing. that's so amazing. Why? I, I heard a thing about that. Oh, why it is that that happens? Yeah. I don't understand it. So uh, it's something about I can't remember what it was, okay. but something just about singing and uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> so okay, so good. so I uh, okay, so I go. You know, I definitely you know did a deep dive, did listen to a lot of her music in the week leading up to it. But okay, so I had I didn't really I knew she had kind of a funky haircut and um so but didn't know a ton about her. Get there, she comes on stage. She looks like the most glorious amazon you have ever seen hmm. turns out she's six one wow she has broad shoulders like really powerful legs she was wearing you know kind Ooh. of a mini dress and she can dance like nobody's business she had these two totally totally hot guys dancing with her cool. and small venue so the energy is just pulsing just going crazy i mean it was amazing it was amazing it was How impossible 
Uh, like 26. Oh, okay. Young. And was the crowd your age or younger? Or? Um, so it was, a, it was a mix. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, it was definitely younger than, uh, you know, 51, but, uh, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was there with a bunch of, um, teenagers, although it was a mm-hmm. mixed age show. So the younger people were off to one side and then mm-hmm. Ashley and I were on the side where you could have alcohol and, oh my gosh, it was just, it was fantastic. I have to say it blew Ariana Grande out of the water. Really? Oh, the and- dancing was stupendous in the lights and it was just wow. like pulsing. And then in the, actually to that song in the encore, um, suddenly these two bearded guys get up on stage, very handsome bearded guys get up on stage and you realize that one of them is proposing to the other one. And I just was like, this is perfection. Like this is, and you know, and she's obviously, I mean, she obviously knew that it was going to happen, but she like, you know, like pats her heart. And like, it was just, I just was like, oh, I love Portland. I just love Portland. So, so that was phenomenal. So stayed out till almost midnight for that one. And then the following night, then you and I saw the Jefferson dancers. We sure did. And they were great. Yeah. Another high school here in town. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and they played or played, they performed downtown. So not at their high school. And they just were back from five shows in France mm-hmm. and five sold out shows in France, I should say. And they, oh my gosh, it's just an amazing program. Amazing dancers. Absolutely. And oh. my daughter Lane was a Jefferson dancer one year and she did the Jefferson program. So it's a public high school, um, but they offer dance classes. And when she did it, she was able to co-op. She, so she did, took her regular classes at Grant and then at lunchtime she'd go to Jeff and she'd take you know, ballet or jazz or modern or, you know, whatever was their schedule, just like a regular schedule. And then after school, then they have the Jefferson Dancer 2 program and the Jefferson Dancer program. So not only are they taking classes, then they have the rehearsals if they're in the the companies. Mm -hmm. And phenomenal program um, for kids. And, uh, you know, my daughter got access to a dance education that I could never afford. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, public high school. Yeah. So um, amazing. And yeah, so these kids are getting a a top level instruction and a lot of them go on to, you know, be professional dancers. Right. And choreographers. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. And And I mean, a lot of those, and then they call out the seniors. And I mean, you know, one girl had a full ride. Yeah. As well as just having a wonderful experience Mm -hmm. and they travel. Oh, yeah. Every other year they take a European trip and every other year they do a competition. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But they were just, I mean, they just lit up the stage. Yeah. They, oh they were really, really good. Yeah. 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 Well-versed. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, I knew two of the kids from previous school, so it was fun to see, you know, them growing yeah. up and maturing. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, us too. I've uh, Some of the kids uh, were freshmen when Lainey was a senior or younger, and to see them come up and mm-hmm. um, and develop uh, the musculature, you know, that they didn't have when they were younger mm-hmm. and to be able to do the things they can now, it's yeah. uh, really quite dramatic. And John has started dance. He has started. And so dance. my hope is that he our becomes, hope, our hope, <laughs> it may not be John's, <laughs> is that he becomes a Jefferson dancer, so we can see him up there. But hey, exactly, of course, yeah. up to him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and when you asked him at the, I think at uh, yeah. intermission, he was like, "Oh no, I don't want to do it." But then the next morning, as I told you, that I uh, came downstairs and there he was paging through the program. Good. So I thought that was a good sign. So. Yeah, so I have a theory, though, about um, uh, evening, like, going out in the evening. And uh, what do you think of this? That I definitely always think, like, ugh, I have to go out tonight. Ugh, I'm going to be up late. I'm not, you know, and just the, like, so the that Betty Who concert didn't start until, 
I don't know, it didn't, the first act didn't go on until nine. And so we didn't head over there until after nine and just staying up, like literally upright until after nine o'clock was kind of tough for me. And I thought, uh, if Ashley kind of like gives the high sign, maybe I'll just be like, yeah, let's not go. Like the tickets were really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but my gosh, once I got there, I adored it. And so I just really think I need to get out of my comfort zone and like not worry so much about, you know, oh my gosh, I'll maybe be tired on my run or I might blow off my workout or something Mm -hmm. and just um, do more cultural things. Yeah, absolutely. Life is for the living. Yep. Can't get in a rut. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta have new experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have gone. Well, you didn't ask me. Because <laughs> you knew I wouldn't have gone. I was like, nine, yeah. nine o'clock at night and stand up. Because right. I asked you, I'm like, oh, did you get to sit down for the concert? You're like, no. Yeah, no. It was, it was a great venue, though. It's a, a Wonder Ballroom, which is a small um, place very close to us. I mean, like, I don't know, a mile and a quarter from us or something. Yeah, it's a great venue. It is. And so, and I didn't realize that they have a downstairs. So, so I'm not one for warm-up bands. So... Ashley and I went downstairs, we had a drink, then we got to sit, there was like no one there, and they have a big screen so we could see the woman on stage, mm-hmm. the warm-up act, and it was perfection. So then we just went upstairs and, um, you know, wearing my dance go boots, I was 6'1", so mm-hmm. I could see over everyone. <laughs> um, it was a very short crowd. I don't I don't know their ages, but there were a lot of short people there, so <laughs> it, worked out, it worked out in my favor. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah, so Betty Who. Just like it sounds, she does not have a loo in the middle of it, though. But uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was so swayed by the whole thing. She has kind of like shaved hair on one side that almost kind of looks like, I don't know, like not quite flock of seagulls, but but oh, leaning. Wow. The, and, and I was like, oh, I could totally do that. And then, you know, I walk outside. I'm like, no, 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 no. Please don't. Yeah, no, yeah, no. So. <laughs> and then this weekend, you're going to be in Eugene. Gonna be in Eugene, and Dimity's gonna be in Pittsburgh, so opposite coast, but at the Expos. And Adrian Martini, another co-host, she is going to be working the booth at the Pittsburgh Marathon. So if people are in Pittsburgh or Eugene, come mm-hmm. see another mother runner. Is got- that exciting? <laughs> it, I'm, I, you know, I read uh, MK's race. I, well, you call it a report? Well, it's uh, not yeah. really... Uh, rev- yeah, it, I mean, yeah. Kind whatever. of an insider race report, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm so excited for the um, the marathon, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh yeah. Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. They're both P's. Yeah, they're both in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, the, like, that's the kind of thing I can't do. So Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah. marathon, I'm very excited for it. Yeah. And, and Eugene, too, but you haven't, like, profiled that race uh, with another mother runner the same way you have with the uh, We haven't. Because that's the, the big one for... Exactly. The for the train, train like a mother club, it's a target yeah. race. There's going to, you know, there's going to be a shakeout run Saturday morning and a party on um, Saturday afternoon that boy yeah. talk about Dimity really embraces the not not having things in, impede the evening because the parties, I think, from mm. two to four thirty. Now, Dimity's not running, is she? She's not. No. Yeah. But uh, but MK is going to She's try running? to um, set a PR. Well, all and, right, MK. Yeah. She want to uh, see you and your bun huggers. I want to pick picture out there <laughs> right. streaking through the crowd. <laughs> right. Thinking of yeah. So yeah, because she MK was supposed to do Los Angeles and um, Los Angeles Marathon, and I forget why. Oh, I should a slight, very small injury, and so she didn't do it. So this mm-hmm. is her big A race of the mm-hmm. of the spring. Um, I'll be out at Hag Lake. Oh yeah, at Hag Lake 10K, nice. another Oregon Roadrunner race. Nice part of your series that you do. Yeah. So Lucy and I will be out there, and they um, they don't 
you can sometimes you can buy a t-shirt but they um don't give you t-shirts uh-huh. and they always have some they don't usually do medals they always have something else and this uh for the this race it's socks oh okay and they're nice socks okay oh, so if anybody wants to go out and get some nice socks oh good good and uh the nice woman i met on the plane uh-huh. uh from nashville back to back to portland her name is laura lewis she, she is the track coach or cross-country coach for forest grove high school uh-huh. she's very pregnant uh-huh. so she probably won't be there but maybe some of her team Protégé. members will uh-huh. so shout out to, to laura lewis it was really nice meeting you on the plane and i hope i see you at some of these orc races and your your new baby when you have yeah when push it out. Her. i yeah. can't remember what it was <laughs> yeah i know i'm so excited for you so come say hi <laughs> nice nice well good luck in that thanks yeah yeah I can see you, you know, you're, you're really focused on it. You haven't even mentioned it at all on any of our runs. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, yeah, right. I mean, I'll, I'll just do the best I can. It's very hilly. It sure is. It sure is. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be, but it is. They find Mm -hmm. like the hills out there to make you run up and down. Yep. Yep. Last year we also got a cookie. It was pretty good cookie. Oh, (laughs) you know, you can buy a cookie without having to run a 10 (laughs) K or drive to Hag Lake. I get to spend time with Lucy. Nice, nice. And be in the great outdoors, Molly, which... Yes, yes. we do like to be in the great outdoors. We do, we do. And that well, that leads me right into our guest. What? <laughs> yes. Um, so um, I've known the guests on today's show for more than two decades. I was just a mere child when I met her. Um, I met her as a when I was a freelance writer in San Francisco. I got to interview her a bunch of times for magazine articles. Her name is Tina Vindham. She is a well-respected personal trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and she is the founder of Outdoor Fitness. That's why we were mentioning being outdoors. And Outdoor Fitness offers classes in the great outdoors of the Bay Area. In an article in London's The Guardian paper, Tina was dubbed the original alfresco guru, which I just love that term. And um, Tina is the author of Tina Vindham's Outdoor Fitness, Step Out of the Gym and Into the Best Shape of Your Life. Molly and I will chat with Tina about exercising en plein air after this quick break. BRB. Welcome, Tina. It's a delight to talk to you again. It is great to hear your voice, Sarah. It's really fun to be here with you. Good, good. So let's start with your family. Tell us about your two daughters. Oh, they're so big now. So um, one is 24, and she's off in her life uh, doing what she absolutely adores. She's a real social justice girl or woman. Oh, uh-huh. And so she um, works for uh, the Bixby Center um, for International Women's health and reproductive rights. And so that's her gig. Uh Very happy girl. And then my other girl's 21 and she's about to graduate um, in two weeks from Wash U where she's been studying neuroscience. So she just got her first job and she's off as well. And uh, both girls are real outdoor girls, I've got to say, um, into rock climbing and rafting. But Uh not running. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're not runners, but that's okay. Yeah. Gotta yeah, find well, the path that you love. Yeah. Well, and I'm not surprised that they love the outdoors given their mom. Um, well, so. you know, I think they've taken it on themselves, but maybe a little tiny smidge just, <laughs> you know, through osmosis or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, if memory serves, the last time we saw each other was in 2010 when I did a reading at the sports basement there in the Presidio in San Francisco. And it was soon after Run Like a Mother debuted and about a year after your book came out. Does that sound That's about right? That's exactly right. I remember yep. it well. Yeah. Good yeah, old yeah. sports basement. I love the community there. You know, there's a real vibe of people coming together and, uh-huh. you know, doing what they love, get outside and, and talk about it. 
Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah was uh, telling me about you on a recent run and your job just sounds like a dream job. Um, And I know that you have experience uh, as an athlete yourself and you were a world champion mountain biker. That's incredible. How does one become a world champion mountain biker? I'm so scared to get on a mountain bike and you're a world champion. It's been a million years. Let me give you some some, uh, history there. (laughs) So I lived, I was raised at Lake Tahoe and, you know, either... You get into drugs and alcohol or you get into sports. I mean, there's two sides of life there. And then you can run in between, like you run that, lace the two together somehow. But I stayed on the athletic side of things. And I, I like to hang out with the, the hardcores and the guys. So I was a skier and uh-huh. I was into competing and um, and all that stuff. So in the off season, mountain biking was kind of this new newer sport. Uh-huh. And we were finding that we were just having a ball and we would like ride in packs, just like uh-huh. we would ski. And, um, you know, so when you hang with these kind of hardcore, mostly guys, they'll dust you. I mean, if you can't hang, they're going to leave you. And so I, (laughs) I try, you know, I just tried so hard to stay with them and it worked and they would teach me things and techniques. And then this one, um, you know, then they started racing. And so I tagged along and then at this one particular race, I mean, this is back when, you know, very few people were doing it. So don't be too impressed, but I did get a title. <laughs> um, Mammoth Mountain was having, you know, the world championships. And oh. my job, honestly, was they wanted me to go with them to take their pictures as they were no. on the trail. And I ended up entering the race and it was in the sport division. It wasn't like in the, you know, expert or pro or anything like that. So again, don't be too impressed. But I entered and I won everything. I mean, wow. we drove down there with our bikes in the back and all our stuff, and we're hauling all my loot. I won a brand new bike. I won, you know, three medals, and they were so pissed off. They were so quiet <laughs> that entire ride home because, you know, it was their gig and it was their their show, so to speak. So that's how that worked. Um, but it was fun because it was really the birth of mountain biking. And, you know, it's like anything else, Molly, the more you kind of do a little, it's like, how do you eat the elephant, right? It's a little bit at a time. So you learn uh-huh. skills, you learn how to go uphill, you learn how to navigate downhill and go over things and a little bit at a time. And suddenly it all comes together. So that's how that came together. I don't think I'm going to start that at 50. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I'd see what you guys are doing out there. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go right over the handlebars. But do you still do yeah. it now? You know, that's funny you should ask because I've been doing some work in Colorado these last couple of years. And, um, one place that I work for, and I'll tell you about it in a second, is a Rendezvous, and they have trailside living. It's this community that's built on a hillside across from Winter Park in the, in the valley. Mm-hmm. And this developer, Cobble's um, the name of the company, they came in and they had this vision of a community where trails are running all between the houses because it's right up against mm-hmm. forest property. Mm-hmm. So they put in this beautiful little trail system. Not little, it's actually extensive. Um through the property. And so as I was touring the property a couple of years ago, um, you know, we were on mountain bikes because it's, it's vast. And I found that it was scary for me too. <laughs> I was like, I've lost everything. <laughs> and I, you know, I've, I've got white knuckles on the handlebars going like, oh my God, how did I used to do this? But I've got to tell you over a couple of days, it's kind of like, okay, you know how they say it's like riding a bike. It's different, <laughs> but it's like riding a bike and it kind of came back. But uh-huh. you know, life is in chapters and that that daredevil yeah. part of me is gone and that's okay that's it hurts okay. more when you fall off at this age doesn't it oh jesus no kidding. yeah you know? and <laughs> I, I feel that way about skiing like, oh my i'm gonna break my nose i'm gonna you know knock my teeth out it's much worse in my head 
yeah than yeah. it ever was before <laughs> yeah yeah but that's awesome and so you've got the skiing you've got the biking you live in san francisco so mm-hmm. the, you got you're just in such a great place to be outside yeah that's, i've got to say have you guys been out today did you go for a run this morning yeah. We did. We did. Today is the beautiful day. <laughs> it is here too. And Sarah, you know, from living here, you know, it's rare to get a really warm crystal mm-hmm. bluebird day yeah. you know, where you're sweating at seven o'clock in the morning. So we, I met my class. I have a, a group that I teach and, you know, it's all outdoors. And so we meet at different locations throughout the month. It's always a different spot, different type oh. of workout. Today, we met at the base of the Golden Gate Bridge on the Marin side. Nice. Okay. And we went up what's called Coastal Trail. And sure. um, it's this beautiful single track, right, that goes up to the top of the saddle. And you get big views of San Francisco Bay and the Pacific Ocean and then off into um, you know, the Southern Valley behind. Right now, the wildflowers are going nuts. Oh, so boy. it's like being on a wildflower safari, you know, you can't, you got to pay attention. You're going to fall down, right? Because they're everywhere. But it was, you know, 71 degrees. And so we are sweating. And I, I got to tell you, you know, those kinds of sweats, I have long hair and you know, the kind of sweat where it's like dripping down your ponytail at the very tip (laughs) and down your back of your t-shirt. And there's something so satisfying about that. You know, so I'm driving home going, oh, it's dripping. I mean, literally dripping. And I know it's kind of gross, but, you know, when you're you're runners, so you know it. Oh, I know. I know. And tip, and when you live in a place that's usually 53 degrees no, year round. Yeah. yeah. I'm always <laughs> complaining. You know, it's like the most beautiful day. And they're all like, oh, my God, it's so hot. And I said, well, look at the wildflower here. We're stopped doing squats or something. Like, look, look, how many can you see? Let's count them all. Oh my so. gosh! You're like trying to distra- to distract toddlers or something. Let's count because the. They're let- so hot. <laughs> Let's count the California poppies. Come on, one, two, three. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But you know what's going to happen is probably because it's been like this for a couple of days. Is we're going to get that thick fog coming in probably tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next day, and then we can go back to that air conditioning thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh. So describe your your business a little more outdoor fitness and the classes that you lead and and kind of how your yeah, business so, encompasses your passion yeah. for being outdoors. You know, it was this thing um because of being an athlete, right? And being a skier and professional. Uh, I was a professional skier and so it required wow, that you know, too. being in shape. And Whew. so when it came time to work out we're we're out in the the mountain all summer long into the fall. And then about that time, you start doing dry land training. You know, you get together and you start training at the gym. So this one year in particular, uh, great summer. We're all meeting at this one um, gym, the Sierra. I think it was called the Sierra Club. It doesn't even matter. But what it, what does matter is we all got inside and we're like, okay, start your warm up, and then we're going to get into our, you know, our workout. Well, I hop on a treadmill, which is so foreign. You know, mm-hmm. I rode my mountain bike there and now I'm on a treadmill <laughs> and looking at these huge picture windows at this majestic mountain called Mount Talak. It's at South Lake Tahoe, the South Shore. It's majestic. And, you know, if the, by the end of the summer, this craggy peak still has snow on it, it's like a, mm-hmm. in the form of an X, you know, like an X and O, like tech tech mm-hmm. If there's still snow in this X part on the very top of the peak, you know, um, local native Indian lore says it's going to be a big fat winter. So we're all psyched because the cross is still there. It didn't melt away. So here (laughs) I am hopping up on this treadmill, looking at Mount Slack, fired up like, Ooh, this is great. And realizing slowly, but surely I'm realizing this is actually excruciating. I am so unhappy right now. 
and mm-hmm. I'm looking down at the timer and it said three minutes. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't, there's no way I'm doing this. I can't. So I hopped off and I'm looking around the room and everybody's super engaged. And I just said, screw it. And I went out the double doors, hopped on that mountain bike, rode to the trailhead and did what oh I gosh. loved anyway. And they, you know, at that time the rivers are all dry, but they leave these big sun warmed, like round, big ass boulders, right? Big, huge ones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I found myself you know, park the bike, bounding from boulder to boulder, like loading up the thighs and then exploding to the next one and exploding to the next one, getting to the top of the dry riverbed and looking at the trees and looking down the hill and just running, like running between the trees and slaloming and sliding on the pine needles like I'm on skis. Uh And I made up this whole thing that day where, you know, I'm using the hillside like I'm skiing and I'd stop and do push-ups on a log and pull-ups on a, you know, tree limb and all kinds of different stuff. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I was mm-hmm. having a blast. And that season, first day on the slopes, meeting up with my, my friends, they're saying, you know, I'm ripping. I'm literally ripping on my skis. I found the sweet spot immediately. Uh-huh. And they're looking at me saying, well, where have you been? We haven't seen you. And, you know, we're all trained up and what's with you? <laughs> <laughs> so I told them. And the next year they joined me. And that was ah. the beginning of this thing. And, um, so fast forward, I went to get my personal training, um, you know, certification and the whole training that they give you is all based on gym stuff like machines Mm. and, you know, weightlifting machines and treadmills. And I'm thinking, no, this is so wrong. (laughs) So, um, I went to anyway, a former professor who said to me, who's also a ski coach. And I said, I've got these ideas. I want to write for magazines and stuff. I want to, I've got ideas. He said, cool. He said, but what I want you to do most of all is every authentic idea that you have, everything, you've got to write it down. I don't care if it's on a napkin. I don't care if it's on, you know, when we used to have matchbooks, matchbook, <laughs> uh, paper, anything, but throw all of that stuff into a shoebox. And when huh. that shoebox is full, Tina, it's time to write. And so I, I filled it. I mean, that shoebox got so stuffed and full. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Then I was training clients. I got my certification and um, put all those little notes out on, a, on the floor in the spare bedroom and put, you know, started connecting and wrote a couple of training manuals for trainers and got it sort of um, approved and, you know, for CECs for professionals and started training trainers in this whole thing. So fast forward, you know, I still train my clients, um, still train trainers here and there and go to conferences and stuff. But I've jumped into this whole other thing. It's so weird when you make up your own little, you know, niche ideas. And so, yeah. you know, you guys probably travel quite a bit too, you know, with your family. Yeah. And, and we go to these amazing places because it rarely are resorts in ugly places, right? But the <laughs> thing that gets to me is I'll go to some place. And the one that stuck out for me the most was in Arizona. It was called Dove Mountain. It's the Ritz-Carlton. They had just opened up. Oh. And I, I read in their brochure or their online brochure they have outdoor fitness. I'm like, right on outdoor fitness. I mean, I barely checked in threw my stuff in the room, go running down to the spa and the gym. And I said, Hey, I hear you have outdoor fitness. And they said, yes, we do. And so (laughs) she pulls out the Xerox copy map of the grounds and she Uh hands me a plastic water bottle, you know, one of those Aquafina type little ones. Uh And she says, here, go out the door. And I'm thinking, (laughs) what? (laughs) this is a map and a water bottle. And I'm by myself. So I went out and I discovered the property. And I got to tell you, you would love this. I'm walking up to big boulders and I see petroglyphs. petroglyphs oh my gosh. These, yeah, I know, wow. like all this history. And then I'm walking along the trail and these beautiful 
boulders have these gorgeous little flowers popping out. And I'm wondering, what mm. are they? Show uh-huh. me, show me. So then, you know, I'm going along, I'm up the hill. I finally get to the top. And there's this 360-degree view of the Sonoran Desert with all the cacti everywhere. And I'm like, God, tell me a story. I want to know what's here. And there were so many pockets and places to stop to exercise. And I'm thinking, you guys, you're losing it, man. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Show me. So that's kind of spawned this idea to, if I feel this way and I want to know about this property, I'm going to fall in love with it, show it to me, and I want exercise, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, other people do too. So that's my that's latest so, thing with resorts so you and private talk about, communities. So yeah. you talk about history and flowers and stuff when yeah, you go out? Absolutely. And identifying, that's great. you know, poop, identifying flowers, anything. I want to know what's here. You know, what animals and so when you take, your, you take your clients out, you explain some of that? Like, you know, the I, areas you go? and Absolutely. And they've gotten to know yeah. it too. And, and Molly, you know, I'm, I, the thing with training people that's really critical is you can't, like, I'm talking too much now, but you're also, you know, I'm telling you a story, but it's got to be so succinct and so tight. People don't want wordy explanations. They just want a few words and let's move on because I'm working out. You know, I want to hear it. I want to smell it. I want to, you know, be in my own world in this environment. So it's Mm -hmm. all this kind of mix and it's really subtle, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into it, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. No, I would love to do that. Have somebody take me out. Do you get a lot of tourists that, that do that? No, the the thing with this group, it's so interesting because I started this, gosh, it's going on 19 years. And I've had clients, one client who's been consistent for 18 solid years. Oh my goodness. Wow. We've raised kids together. We've, (laughs) um, so 18 years, we've got a couple that are 15, a 13, a 12. I mean, it just, they, the max is out at 12 people and that's it. Um, but they keep showing up. So the thing with this that I do every week they let me um, kind of use that. I don't want to say use it, but they are sort of the lab. They give me thumbs up or thumbs down. Like that was cool, but that wasn't so cool because mm-hmm. this is their experience. But mm-hmm. um, by now I know what they want. But the thing is about safety. So if I was at a resort, you know, you want to be, it's a little bit toned down, I guess, for mm-hmm. your average you know, person visiting. But for mm-hmm. what we're doing, it's a little bit more, you know, rugged. It just depends on who your audience is. But for my weekly classes, no, I know these people really, really well. And before they come in, we, we have a pretty good consultation because it's not for everybody, you mm-hmm. know, some of these trails. And Sarah, you went on that one when we went down into Muir Woods. I did. Yeah, I, I completely remember that. That was so much fun. Oh, my goodness. And challenging. And challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I had I had. um Hearing you talk, I'm totally reminded of the enthusiasm you bring to it and the just the joy of being in the outdoors. And um, for, for me, when people ask why I run, one of the top two reasons is always because to be active outside and you know, moving my body in the elements, whether it's cold and damp or sunny, like it's now finally getting here, it you know it reminds me that I'm alive. And can you kind of yeah. expound on that idea a little bit? Sure. So there's so much research to this. And I, I, I went back to school and I, last year I graduated with my master's degree and my entire thesis is on this. On oh, the, wow. On, yeah. On the power of the outdoors as medicine. Um, mm-hmm. and as, uh, you know, enhancing our lives and, and also for, you know, resort property. So I kind of tie the whole thing in, but you know, the thing that we know, and it's hard sometimes to explain what the it is, 
what is it? Why is it so much cooler and so much better? And do I feel so much more engaged out here versus a mm-hmm. treadmill or running down, a, you know, I don't know, maybe a pretty bleak, just normal urban road. There's something about being in a park, right? Or being near the mm-hmm. beach or being mm-hmm. on a trail. Um, the atmosphere, first of all, is completely different. And one of the things that's going on out there, you know, when we're in the park and greenery and meadows and by the waterfall and by the water, the air is more electrified, literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's more concentration of negative ions. And you've probably heard of this thing. And people say, why is it positive if it's, ca- if it's called negative? And it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. So, you know, there's these molecules and they've either gained or lost an electron, right? So what happens with this stuff is when we, they're negatively charged, when we breathe them in, to our body, they affect our neurotransmitters, literally in our brain. And we feel more revived, um, refreshed, invigorated. And there have been studies that show that these environments reduce depression and Mm -hmm. seasonal affective disorder, for example. So we just feel better. It's like a hit in the arm, like taking drugs, right? It's this amazing Mm -hmm. shot. But beyond Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's all these studies about, you know, well, first of all, let me back up. We do know that, you know, when we're outdoors, we get more vitamin D. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that we're basically most, or it combats seasonal affective disorder. But other things that people might not know is that the air quality outside is much cleaner. And that may be counterintuitive, but the EPA estimates that the indoor air is two to five times more polluted with particulate matter than the outdoor area air, wow. even in the most... Um, industrialized cities. So that's a 75% difference. And that's on the EPA's website, squarely right there for you to see. So especially in the morning, think about how clean that is and how, you know, we're having this exchange with breathing and, you know, we have this most basic connection to the environment, you know, give and take with the breathing Mm -hmm. and we breathe the air in and we exhale it out. And there's this really cool exchange going on just with our environment. Now, having said that, you guys know that we have you know, circulatory system. We want to go out there and work our cardiovascular. That's our heart and lungs. Cool. We have a pump for that pump. Our heart is pumping that blood around that oxygenated blood that's working. But what many people don't understand what also is going on. We have the second circulatory system, our lymphatic system, and that's the Mm. cleaning system. That's the sewer system where it takes all the toxins out and it's just to keep it on a really basic level. But Mm -hmm. this does not have a pump. And there's more lymph in our body than blood. There's, you know, six huh. to 10 liters of lymph, uh, lymphatic fluid versus, you know, three and a half to five of blood. So there's a lot more of this stuff. And if we're just sitting around all day or, um, you know, doing much, that stuff's not moving. So I think huh. that's super helpful for our health and it helps us to feel better. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. But just to put, encapsulate all this stuff, have you heard of the biophilia effect? I love I love when you talk about this. No, I don't know <laughs> oh, biophilia. God, it's just one of my favorite topics because I know it's it's just the most incredible thing. And so it was, you know, first theorized by a gentleman back in the eighties, um, E.O. Wilson, and and he talked about how you know biophilia semantically means love of life, you know, but the the mm-hmm. thing is here is that human beings need, want, and must be in and around the natural world. Otherwise we feel sick and we literally get sick. You've heard of nature Mm -hmm. deficit disorder with, you know, especially with the kids, they're running for the plugs and the computers versus the playground and they're not feeling well. And we have this whole chain reaction of, you know, different illnesses and things happening and attention disorders and stuff. 
So what this theory speaks about is that humans need to be near the natural world. So what does that mean? This is why we bring flowers in the house and you've got your kitty and your puppy. But more than mm-hmm. that, we've got grass growing outside. We need it. We have trees. We want it. When we immerse ourselves into a park and just you know really smell the, the forest or the trees, we feel so much better. And now yeah. science is proving this beyond a reasonable doubt. And um, we're actually, there's this new program, maybe you've heard of it, it's got me really excited. It started here in San Francisco, where a group of doctors got together looking at, you know, all the chronic illnesses with kids and adults, you know, obesity, diabetes, depression, you know, it goes on and on. And so they said, hmm, well, as physicians, we need to do something about this. So they created something called Park Prescriptions. And so what oh. they do, yeah, it's super amazing, right? So they, they literally um, create a dosing um, for, for their patients. So they dose it out. They say, okay, here's your prescription, literally like a script. Here's your start date. Here's the location. I want you to go to Alta Plaza Park. I mean, they're very specific about it. Wow. I've yeah. never heard anything about this program. Well, hopefully you're going to hear more about it. Um, they tell you the type of exercise. So it could be walking. It could be jogging. It depends on your you know abilities, right? And then they give you the amount of time. They say, I want you to go there for 30 minutes, three days a week. And, you know, check these boxes. So it's been, you know, it's too early to know the uh, precise results of park prescriptions. However, this programming has now gone uh, national where, you know, the public health departments are prescribing uh, around the USA. So isn't that simple? It It sure is. It's so simple. It's amazing. I know we're going so back to basics. It's just a thrill. And um, if I can just indulge in one last thing. And Sarah, think about when we were in Muir Woods, like this beautiful ancient redwood forest and all those old trees and the big ferns coming out of the ground and just how Mm -hmm. green it was. The lichen on the the trees growing there Mm -hmm. is a sign of air quality. It wouldn't grow if it was even kind of polluted. So we're Mm -hmm. in this deep forest. Well, check this out. This is what gets me really excited is in the last 10 years, there have been these studies coming out of Japan, and um, they're calling it forest bathing. Now, you may have heard of it. Huh. And in forest Japanese, bathing? Called, uh-huh. it, it, forest okay. bathing. Oh, yeah. And in Japanese, it's called, mm-hmm. um, it's something like Shinrin Yuko, something like that in Japanese. I'm going to butcher it in Japanese. But anyway, it, you know, what it means um, is it really just means a leisurely walk for the purpose of uh, relaxation and recreation. So it could be leisurely. Mm-hmm. It could be more than that. But what they have found in a variety of studies now is that when people walk in the forest, they, um, you know, of course, they measure their blood before they go in and then they measure it afterwards. And they find this spike in the immunity of these people that do this. And it's, um, you know, increase in white blood cells counts and stuff like that. But the most impressive is what's called a natural killer cell. And um, it's Mm -hmm. like up to a 50 percent, 50 percent spike. And what these NK cells mm-hmm. are is they're anti-cancer proteins. So think of that. Wow. And so I know. And wow. this lasts for anywhere anywhere from seven to thirty days. Which is like what? Wow. Oh, good. I know, right? So we're gonna hear more and more about mm. this. But think about this is medicine. What you know, to get out in the morning mm-hmm. and, and go for your walk or run and do it in a green place. Really simple. Get the kids mm-hmm. out there. I mean, more at the playground, right? Running around, breathing this kind of air. It's just, it's, it's just so basic that it's almost um, silly, in a way. 
but let but me no, just it's so basic and it's free and it's and free it's, exactly yeah. and so the reason why this forced bathing mm-hmm. thing but you they do think have to that, get there huh you what have to that? get there that's right you and do I have know to you're get in there. Portland, yeah. so it's almost like cheating <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm thinking about people in the Midwest, you know, like, oh, well, I mean, the Midwest is beautiful. But, you know, we have so much at, just at our fingertips, don't we? We do. We do. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, the, you know, I've, I've been asked that quite a few times. Well, what if I live here? And what if I did? The one thing I've, I've learned, no matter where I've gone, um, you know, cities around like St. Louis, for example, see my daughter in a couple weeks, and they do have green spaces there. But what I do is I pull up the area on a map, you know, my phone or computer or whatever. There are so many green spaces they are hidden. You just have to look for them. Little pocket parks, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are places around. It's just a matter of, you know, rolling up your sleeves a little bit and trying to find it. And if it means, you know, this is the counter thing where I got, get in my car to go do something green. Um, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I think the other thing that's really important if you are just walking through your neighborhood is instead of, you know, with, with my girlfriends, for example, instead of going to eat and drink, well, we love that, but, um, more often we try and meet to the <laughs> trailhead, you know, and then go eat and drink, uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, get that, the exercise and then that's a great way to catch up. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so talk about the importance of sensory perception of surroundings. I'm, I'm assuming you're not wearing headphones. You're enjoying the sounds of the birds in the air. I know when I go trail running, I, I never wear headphones. I, not only do I want to be aware of what's around me, but uh, just in case there's runners or a dog or something, I want to you know be alert for that. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the thing. Over the years, I was trying to figure out, you know, I've seen almost every client of mine weep at some point. And it's not because the workout's hmm. too hard and it's not, you know, sure, they might have something going on in their life. But more often than not, it's like this overwhelming sensation of like, all of your senses are so heightened. And sometimes in the beginning, it's so overwhelming because it's so beautiful that you just, I call it tears mm-hmm. on the trail because it's, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, oh but it's just, you know, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel, your intuitive feelings, all of that stuff comes together. And it's just like a hit of something really great. And mm-hmm. so the sensory perception, the only way to get there, Molly, is to go out and do it. So in the beginning of every workout, and this is what I recommend to runners too, and walkers, is instead of just getting out of the car or walking out the door and just running, it's super important to get connected. And, you know, that requires several things. The first thing I do is I rotate my joints, my ankles, my hips, and that sort of thing, and just take in the air. So I breathe while I'm doing these things. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I do is I set my posture. You know, I check in with my um, shoulders. You know, are they up near my ears. So I roll them up, back, down and together and set it. Slightly lift my ribs so I feel my core. And then the next thing I do is I start Mm -hmm. to walk. And this is key because I start to just feel the train through my feet. I want to get connected. That's my connection point. And so what I do is a heel-toe roll. So I'm just like little tires over the trail, the train just feeling everything. But what's what's really important about that is our feet have so many neurological um, nerve endings. We have 7,200 approximately in our hands. So do our feet. We want them to be on par. We want them to Hmm. really feel. So that's huge right there, right? So now we're walking, we're warming up, we're breathing, taking in those deep breaths, connecting with the environment. That way we've got great posture. 
and then you start to kind of scoot along, but take it slowly. And I find that the slower you like go slow to go fast, the more time you can spend warming Mm. up, the better it is on your sensory awareness, your kinesthetic awareness, your proprioception, right? The more in tune you are with your Mm -hmm. lungs, Mm -hmm. taking in that pure, clean air and really trying to take that deep diaphragmatic breath to get down to the lower lobes so you get better circulation. Um, Posture, Mm -hmm. that's a mood enhancer all the way around. You know, if you think about being depressed, how are you going to be? Right? Your head's down, shoulders are down. Mm -hmm. Slumped over. Yep. It affects our mood. So set that posture. And then here's the other part of this, um, which you're... Uh, audience might find interesting is that you know the slower you go to start the more fat burning you will achieve so or um, muscle Mm -hmm. recruitment too on a trail for example we want to be able to um, get certain systems going so that we start to get that fat burning going so if we go too fast we'll go anaerobic right and start to burn glycogen first Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll screw the systems up Mm -hmm. we want one system then the next system so anaerobic aerobic and go slow and then build up that scale, that RPE scale, rate of perceived exertion. So that's the best way to go. So mm-hmm. that's how I get my clients to, to tap in, tune in. It keeps people safe on the trail too. Hmm. And even at your fastest, you're probably going slower than you would on a road. On the trail. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some different yeah. studies about that, but you know, I think it's really up to, you know, to you to kind of, I go for time rather than mileage. I want to just enjoy the whole thing. I don't want to have to, mm-hmm. you know. So so the thing about the trail, I think, you know, it's like you're going 40, who knows, you can take it with a grain, 20, 20 seconds slower per mile, 45 seconds slower per mile. It really doesn't matter. The fact is you're out there. But the thing is that why it's a mm-hmm. little bit more challenging on the trail is you're using more muscle fiber. I mean, you're going up, down, you're over rocks mm-hmm. and roots, and so your ankles are working differently. And you've got to be, you know, those legs are You're working a little balancing. harder. Yeah. Kinesthetic mm-hmm. proprioception. Mm-hmm. That awareness is there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you, you, t- you touch upon, uh, I love that word, proprioception. And uh, it, it was a question I was thinking I wanted to talk to you about. So I'm glad you brought it up. That um, So I am far from the most coordinated and graceful person. But um, I feel I have better than average proprioception. So can you please explain what what it is and um, tell how running outdoors hones it rather than being on a treadmill. Yeah. So in our body, you know, think about, um, you know, if you're skipping or if you're a gymnast or a skier or a runner, we have this thing called kinesthetic awareness. And it's knowing where our body is in space and time. And that way we land correctly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a skill that we learn as children, but we can lose it as we get older. And the beautiful thing about running and being on trails is that kinesthetic awareness is constantly being challenged. But what's more than that, there's a neurological component to kinesthetic awareness um, called proprioception. It's the nerve endings. It's, it's you know, for example, best example I can give you, I think, is, you know, when you're running on a trail and the side of your ankle hits the, your shoe, it sends a signal up to your brain and you correct. So it's a neurological saying, okay, I can't mm-hmm. tweak my ankle. I'm going to, you know, straighten this out. So it's really connection to your brain and, and uh, nerve endings in your, um, in your legs and your feet and that sort of thing. And it sends these signals. So you correct yourself. That's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're out on a trail, for example, 
we were on uh, the coastal trail today and it's a single track trail. And I've got to say that it's starting to become overgrown and under some of those uh, mm. plants and things, you can't see the rock and the root and that kind of thing. And so you've got to be mm-hmm. even more careful and super like feely through your feet, right? Because you can tweak and fall. And one of our women, <laughs> she's pregnant now and she's, um, you know, in the group running. And so I was concerned about her. So I turned to her and I said, Melissa, you know, you're really looking ahead and feeling. And she says, oh, God, yeah. And I said, you know, the shadows and stuff. Yes. So, you know, that was a great um, training day for proprioception because it was all about feel and being sharply focused mm-hmm. and um, looking ahead. So I mm-hmm. hope I answered your question. Yep. Yep. Follow up to that. Where where do you look on the trail? Oh, that's what oh, that's I, what, was yeah. gonna, I was going to say that um, one of the things that. Well, I got to say, Tina, one of the things that I think of you often when I trail run, because you told me that um, in an interview I did with you, you said, don't look at your feet, your brain records upcoming terrain. And mm-hmm. you said that um, it's like driving down the freeway, you're not staring at your hood ornament. Mm-hmm. That's what we have <laughs> Where are you looking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, right. right. Exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. When I, I, I went, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It's so true, Sarah. I mean, think about it. If you're driving down the freeway, looking at the, your, the hood of your car, you're going to crash in two seconds, right? So I, I notice with my clients, mm-hmm. if somebody's really slow, they're looking at their feet or they're looking just a few feet away from their feet. And, you know, that's not helping anything. So what I say is look at least 10 to 15 feet ahead. And, and then again, look up and see what's coming that's way far. ahead. So you're looking, yeah, you're looking way wow. forward, but you're coming back to 10 or 15 feet. You're looking way forward. You're coming, and and I, I say, don't worry, look ahead. Your brain is recording. You know, trust yourself where that rock is or that route. You're not going to hit it. So we need to keep mm-hmm. um, a distance. It's like um, if you're a skier as well, that terrain's coming up on you really fast. You're not looking at your ski tips. You're going to crash. So it's just a really simple thing. But mm-hmm. I do see, mm-hmm. um, I was at the marina, you know, running along the marina, yes, a couple days ago. And it was interesting to me to see how many mm-hmm. necks are craned over looking at their feet. Well, that's an easy path to <laughs> run on. But you can't run like that on a trail. You're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I think the reason why it's hard to run right behind someone on a trail because, mm. um, yeah, you, you can't see you, what's you can't up ahead, see ahead true. and that, um, and then if you find it, when I find myself looking down at their heels, I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to trip. <laughs> trip and I have to give them a little extra space. So Tina, uh, do you have any advice for running downhill on trails? I find that really challenging, um, you know, because of the terrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this tendency for, and it's a natural protective thing that we have. When we're going downhill, we tend to want to lean back for some reason. But it's the worst thing yes. to do because think about it. Then that puts you on your heels. You're going to slide and fall on your butt. So the technique is really yes. to keep your hands in your peripheral vision. You want to be able to see them. Definitely not in your pockets. That's death. Okay. So put it going down, you know, right? <laughs> right. But you've right. got your hands in your peripheral okay. vision. And you, again, you're looking ahead. You're scanning ahead so you have, understand what's coming up. But then you're back down to you know, 10 feet in front of you. And so you're definitely not on your toes because if you're putting too much pressure on your toes, you can slide as well. So we're trying to find a happy spot with your heels, but your body weight is out over your feet. And so what I say to my clients, I say, think about it this way. I want your nose over your knees and your knees over your toes, hands in your peripheral vision. So I'll say it again, visual, nose over your knees, knees over your toes, hands in your, and that keeps you stacked up so that your, your, um, body weight is going straight down into the earth and it's not too far forward. So you've, you've, you know, mm. going to teak pot over, 
and it's not too far back uh-huh. so you're on your behind. <laughs> and that, that usually works. And the other thing, and you guys probably touch on this all the time, but shoes are the number one piece of equipment. And sometimes I see people on trails and it scares the hell, heck out of me because they're wearing road running shoes on <laughs> trails. Yeah, you're laughing, Sarah, because it's really important. Saying, yeah, I always find it sort of depends on the trail. Like, if, I think if somebody's taking it up, like, just seeing, going out one time. And, I mean, gosh, it's interesting that you say it in the Bay Area because I find the trails so smooth compared to, like, back east where it's like a rock and root festival. <laughs> and um, I sort of feel like road shoes can can carry you through, like, a few workouts. And then once you decide, like, oh, okay, I'm digging this trail thing, that's when you can invest in some trail shoes with better traction and yeah they're not cheap and, and yeah. the best advice i, I have for that's let me just hiking it, though as well yeah for sure yeah go ahead but there's a lot yeah. of technology in these shoes as you know um you know i i used to mm-hmm. go to the summer or show and i worked for solomon they were my sponsor and so when they came out with their trail running shoes and mm-hmm. stuff i remember them sitting um the designers at the table and they're all huddled together and and they were like some French guys and American guys, and they're looking at these things and they're marveling over these treads. I'm like, what the hell? Who cares? Well, what they taught me was the rubber <laughs> compounds in these shoes is really special, you know? And so what they've done is they looked at Formula One uh, race car tires and how tacky they are and grippy and all that stuff. And they also looked at Mack truck tires, those big, luggy, you know, um, durable uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. And they came together with, with uh-huh. uh, the right rubber compounds that's really grippy and durable but the other cool thing was they're looking at the, the grid patterns on the bottom and they showed me that here's the grid pattern mm-hmm. for climbing, here's the grid pattern for descending and braking, and here's your lateral movement going across the hill. Mm-hmm. I had so much respect for what they did mm-hmm. after that. I was like, whoa. So it's, it is important. Right, because I, I do see your point, though, also particularly on a downhill when you're in road shoes and if they have a flatter tread pattern and suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, I'm suddenly, you know, kind of surfing down this hill and, and feels a little out of control. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, yeah. if, you know, on Mount Tam here in Marin, um, if you get on the single track mm-hmm. stuff, there's all those big redwoods and roots and stuff and it, it can get wet and slick and, mm-hmm. you know... It, it is an important thing to have here, but I know on the fire roads, maybe not so much. Yeah. Well, on the rocky trails, my feet just get thrashed with running shoes because you don't have any of the support. The running shoes are firm enough that I don't feel every single rock. Right. Because some of them have plate. The trail shoes oftentimes have plates in them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and conversely, if you try to run on roads with trail shoes, your your feet are going to hurt because they don't bend as right. much. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So don't do that either. <laughs> Sarah, are you still do- Sarah, are you still doing a lot of product testing, like for shoes and stuff? Yeah. So yeah, good memory. I was the athletic footwear editor for Shape for um, eons. And um, so I gave that up when another mother runner um, became more than a full-time uh, job for me. So I, I don't do as much of that, but, mm. um, you know, I still it, hearing you talk about, it, I'm like, Oh yeah. So I, I still, I go to the outdoor retailer show and, and check out new stuff. And, um, it is once a gear geek, always a gear. Yeah. Geek. It's in your blood. So. And also <laughs> you, know, I, or, or, you probably yeah. have talked about your streak that you had for so long. That was so impressive to me. <laughs> your streak. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't believe you bring that up. I can't believe you bring that up. Why not? I mean, it's amazing. How long did that uh, go for? Oh my gosh, Uh, the tables are turned on the interviewer. Um, That went on for a little little over five years. I I started that in February of 96. 
95? Yeah, February of 95. And then through September of 2000, I exercised every single day for at least 30 minutes. And um, it's funny, I don't, you know, I've re- I wrote about for magazines, and I don't think back on it all that much, um, you know, it was so fueled by going through my divorce. And it was, that's what I hung on to was my exercise. And I also was just kind of bored. So I needed something, to, I didn't have kids. And so I needed something to fill my time. So I exercised. And I mean, you know, in hindsight, it, it was not the right thing to be doing to my body. Um, you know, like I ran my first marathon when I was doing the streak. And if I'd rested a couple more times, I think I could have had a better marathon time. And I certainly wouldn't have felt like, like garbage at the end, like I did. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, that's why we're thinking about doing a, a podcast about, um, running streaks. And so it made me think back onto it. Um, I need to get out that article. I wrote. Oh, you've got to include uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, Jack and I ended, my second husband and I ended up taking a, a trip around the world before we had kids. And I knew that, if I um, tried to keep up my exercise streak while on that trip, I would come home without my new husband. So I decided to uh, ditch it. <laughs> and gosh, I got to tell you that my, my my quads then didn't hurt. Like, I swear, I think my quads were tender for five and a half years. And then suddenly I stopped exercising every day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can touch my knee, honey. And I won't like flinch, you know, in the least bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a oh bit my. much, but you know what? If you're gonna pick up pick up a new, you know, drug or whatever, um, it's there are worse things for sure. Oh, oh, there's definitely worse things to be addicted to. Yeah, I, I totally addicted. I mean, yesterday I couldn't go run until four thirty, and it was just like a dog chasing a stick, getting out of the house. <laughs> I couldn't wait. It's just you know. Yeah, get a little jittery when you and think then, about you know, after that coming home. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. So, say, say it again. Oh, that you, I get kind of jittery if I can't work out until the afternoon because I worry that something's going to get in the way of it. And you know, so I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to get mm-hmm. out? Am I, you know, mm-hmm. oh, so, um, so Tina, you've mm-hmm. touched on you know your outdoor fitness classes, and you know, I know from having taken them in Mere Woods that you have folks doing tricep dips on fallen logs or, you know, um, planks on the trail, that sort of thing. So how could mother runners like me add some variety to our runs without looking like oddballs or getting too scraped up by tree bark? And, um, and also, uh, give, give kind of a sense of, give kind of a sense of how long people should be, you know, if they're going to add in these moves, how long should a workout maybe be? Great. Yeah. You know, it's funny if you were in my brain and you were like looking around my neighborhood, I live in the city, um, and when I see a mailbox, I will do a wall sit on it, like right up again. I don't care because <laughs> I see stuff. <laughs> I see, you know, a gate. I'm doing pull-ups on the gate over there, you know, by the Presidio. I don't care who sees me. It's just, it just feels good. So I think, first of all, get rid of that. I Nobody is really watching you. And if anything, it's inspiring because I've seen people uh, follow, like the other day in the park, I was doing push-ups on a tree you know, that was, uh, had a funny shape so I could do a push-ups on it. Mm-hmm. And I saw this older man, an older gentleman at the bench doing push-ups on the back of the bench. And I just thought, cool, you know, were you doing that before <laughs> you saw me doing this? I don't think so. I doubt it, but you know, it's inspiring <laughs> for others. Let's just put it that way. We can believe that anyway. I mean, let's just put it out. We just believe it. But so let's say you're on a run and, um, the, you see a really cool formation. So one of the fun things I like to do with my classes is we have a variety of different types of exercises, and one of them I call a destination workout. So we 
you know, might run to the top of a hill. And then at the top, we do, you know, five or eight exercises or whatever it might be, and then run back down. So you could easily lace in, you know, hmm. some exercises when you get to a certain spot and maybe see boulders there and boulders are great for mm -hmm. push-ups. And um, you might be able to do your triceps there. And you might be able to do a split lunge with one foot against the boulder and, you know, the other foot propped out and doing a, a nice split lunge, single leg lunge maybe. So they're just, it's just the way you're looking at that mm -hmm. terrain. Now, I will say that if you are running and you come across a cool bench and your heart rate's up, you don't want to just stop and start doing tricep dips. That would not be good for you because there's too much pressure mm -hmm. building up. And, <laughs> and so you want to you know, walk it out for a good minute, get your heart rate back down, and then do an exercise. That would be okay. Or maybe you're not, your heart rate's not too high and you find a really cool spot for a hill squat. Now, hill squats, I can explain what those are in a second, but that will keep your heart rate up. So you can just jump right into a hill squat because your heart rate will be up anyway. Or walking lunges, another thing, totally fine to do because your heart rate's going to go up. So it's just a matter of how you're looking at it. So let me back up. A hill squat is one of the, I discovered this one day in Tahoe, you know, when I told you about jumping up and uh, boulder bounding and stuff, is the angle of a hill. Now, if you put your body facing mm -hmm. down the hill, and you have a very wide stance, a really broad stance, because in the outdoors, you want to go bigger with your um, base because of the different uh, angles mm. of the train. So you've got a really wide base of support with your mm -hmm. feet um, wide. And then you start to do a squat. You're reaching back with your tailbone as if you're taking a seat. You're going to feel a little stretch in the inner thighs. But the coolest part about a hill squat I like is that I stuff my heels down into the ground and press really hard and you get the back of your hamstrings right where the glutes and the hamstrings come together and it just feels incredible. So it's mm -hmm. a really good glute hamstring uh, strengthener and you're working on your balance a little bit. Now and walking that, lunges So and that's, up, facing, that's facing downhill or going uphill? You're facing downhill because you definitely want that um, uh, angle against the hillside so your backside is against the hillside and you're looking down the hill or out and away from you. And you're just digging those heels down. And what happens, your okay. toes pop off the ground. They are totally out in the air, you know, dangling there. But it's a spot where um, it's tough to get on just flat, you know, flat gym's floor. It's a little bit ch more challenging, whereas this, this elevated or this angle helps you get right up and in there. So it's, you know, that's hmm. one way you can do it. The other thing, I know you've talked about lunges before. You know, people always talk about lunges and things. But, you know... The one thing I've learned as a trainer when I used to put heart rate monitors on all of my clients um, is whenever we do walking lunges or traveling lunges from one to the next, your heart rate goes smack into your, mm -hmm. your aerobic zone, not my aerobic zone, but your every single time. It's a really amazing exercise because mm -hmm. it's a cardiovascular exercise. So if you're out jogging and you see a cool like mm. hill and you're like, I want to I really work out on this. I want to get dig deeper in my muscles. You can do some really great hill lunges right up the hill or on a slight angle up a grass hill or whatever at the park. And it feels great. Your heart rate will be right in that zone if you were already aerobic. And then you can go off running again. So there's a way to lace it in. Now with my um, myself, you know, if I have a cardiovascular day, I have X amount of time on the clock that I like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. But there are other days when I just, I want to get a combination. So I call it 30 and 10. And I'll go get my cardio for 30 minutes. Hmm. And then I get home um, or I go to the park or whatever. It's usually my backyard of the park. And I knock out 10 different exercises. And it could be um, squats. It could be tricep hmm. push-ups. It could be, you know, standing abdominal work. Uh, you know, all kinds of different things that you can do. But I just knock out 10. And it could be 
you know, 10 times, uh, 10 exercises times 12 reps, or it could be, you know, 10 times 20. It just depends on what you're working. If it's just toning, I'll go for more repetitions. If it's mm-hmm. more for deep strength, body weight and gravity, I'll go for fewer, but really go slowly. So for a push up, you've got your push up position, mm-hmm. you inhale down, you stall, you hang out there for 1001, 1002, and then you press. It's so much more intense to do things really slowly and then pump it out hard, like big, deep uh, exhalation. And so, you know, we don't need a lot of stuff to get a lot done. You know, you just want a a Uh space. Right, right. And how often would you suggest people be doing a workout like a 30 and 10? You know, it's, there are all these rules out there and I say, do what feels (laughs) good. So, you know, two, three times a week is fine. And Uh if you, if you're riding your bike one day, you're running another day, you do, you know, 30 and 10, that's great. Just mixed up, have a blast. You know, it's all about having a good time. So uh-huh. too much, you know, I, I'm not too regimented, but I do that probably two or three times a week. Good. Very nice. Good. So Tina, since you're out on the trails all the time, um, have you ever seen Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've seen lots of beautiful, you know, it's early in the morning. It's, it, you sure do catch the worm, don't you? Um, I have not seen that, but I've seen some amazing things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one day um, I had my, my, my group out there, all 12 lined up. Uh, it was Suntris, this thing called Sun Trail, and it overlooks Muir Woods, and it's this little single track. And so this one spot, it's perfect for all 12, well, 13 with me, lined up on the trail, looking down on Muir Woods, and we happened to be doing bicep curls. Pretty simple, right, with the resistance tubes. Uh-huh. And I could see out of the corner of my eye, uh-huh. this hawk was, you know, flying around and and I thought, well, he's beautiful, you know, beautiful raptor in the morning. And then a, a few, like 30 seconds later, 20 seconds later, not very much time because we were standing to do bicep curls. This hawk comes swooping. You could hear him come swooping down over our heads. And it's almost like you could feel him with this gigantic snake dangling in oh his talons. Gosh. And everybody dropped their tubes oh, and just wow. started clapping. <laughs> it was the most amazing show. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. That's good. I like that. Probably better than Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Tina, you, you've talking to you has reminded me how wonderful your class is and your energy. And oh, I need to get back down to San Francisco and, and uh, do a workout with you in the Marin Headlands, I think. Sounds awesome. It sounds great. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Tina. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a delight. Oh, the good old days of living in San Francisco and exercising outdoors in the Bay Area. Um, But Molly's headed out, I think, to go grocery shopping. But as she predicted, it is now totally sunny here. So, um, but uh, let's head over to hear what Dimity's up to in the train like a mother club. I suspect she might be indoors, but um, she, like I said, she is headed to Pittsburgh this weekend. So if you're at the Pittsburgh Marathon, definitely look her up or the Another Mother Runner booth at that expo. Hi, everybody. Dimity here with the Train Like a Mother Club Corner on um, the first week of May, loving springtime in Denver and sending some love with this corner to Lynn, who um, just lost her BRD, her best running dog. She is in the heart rate half marathon challenge, and she writes, I'm sad that I had to say goodbye to my four-legged running partner today. Nico loved running and was recently really into the accelerators. She walked and ran through my two pregnancies, did the training for a handful of halves and 10Ks, helped me feel safe running solo, and was always up for a run. 
I can't believe I have to run without her tomorrow. This happened really quickly. And uh, Nico looks like some kind of um, golden retriever mix is my guess, or maybe just a straight up golden retriever. She's a lovely, lovely dog. And every dog, of course, is lovely and is especially hard to lose one that you have shared so many miles and um, life lifetime moments with. So sending you love, Lynn, um, as you navigate life without your BRD and hoping that um, another one when you are ready is uh, just as capable and fun and as much of a BRD as Nico was. Have a great week all and we will talk to you soon. All right. Time is running out. See what I did there? Uh, and, uh, but you still have time to save 20% off everything in the Mother Runner store. Shop through the end of Saturday, May 6th to get Mother's Day gifts for your best running friend, your sister, your mom, or heck, yourself in the Mother Runner store. Choose from our sassy lifestyle tees, inspiring tech tanks, stylish trucker hats, and limited edition momentum jewelry wraps and shoe tags. To save 20%, 20%! off anything and everything in the Mother Runner store, use code MOTHERLYLOVE, that's all one word, at checkout at MotherRunnerStore.com. Again, that's MOTHERLYLOVE at checkout at MotherRunnerStore.com. Whether you run outside or in, many happy miles. Happy miles.